founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the co-founder of Curry, Matt Lafferty. Matt and his co-founder, Brian, had a vision to change the construction business by making shipping faster, safer, and more transparent than ever through people, service, and technology. From real-time, data-driven notifications to tracking over tens of touch points within a shipment, Curry surfaces more information than any other provider, increasing the velocity and the transparency of the supply chain. Launching Curry in January of 2019, the construction industry has forever been changed. And to tell us more about how he disrupted and changed the game is Matt. So Matt, my new friend, let's get right to it. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. So you have disrupted the, the construction business through supply chain efforts. Mm-hmm. How do you find yourself in a business like that? Uh, a very circuitous uh, trail, I'd say, uh, sure. at first. I mean, the original idea, like when me and my co-founder started chatting was actually to broker luggage space. And uh, that was because I was living overseas for a number of years. And it was, it was something that I wanted, you know, people have all these, like this luggage space they want. Um, And I was like, why don't we just like sell that? They get a hundred pounds. We can ship stuff around. And so just wrote a business perspective. And, you know, coincidentally, my, I was about to send this to Brian and like, we had never even, we never even talked about starting a business and he just hit me up with a DM on, on Twitter before I had a chance to send it to him. So it was very serendipitous. It was, it was a cool moment. Um, wow. And he had hit me up about starting a, I think a, a coding school. Um, you know, we just started chatting about business ideas and just kept rolling. And then I moved back from overseas and um, yeah. And then he had just bought a house and we were, we were in the ideation phase and just being very open to chatting with customers. We went everywhere. We were just like driving around, you know, Ventura County where, you know, where we, where we were living, just talking about different, basically movement of things at that point. And uh, yeah, I stumbled, stumbled upon construction and it was like, looked really interesting. What and turned it, y'all, what turned y'all on to this, even exploring this, this need and this problem? With, with construction? Um, yeah. I mean, it, his house was a fixer upper. Um, so that was, that was one of the things that, that initially got us looking at. Um, he was going to, you know, the big box store picking up construction supplies all the time. Um, but the moment that it really hit was, uh, you know, we were working in his living room and there was a plumber there named Mike Buck. And uh, it was like one of those long-term projects, you know, like over a week. And the dude was going to the supply store and leaving for like an hour, hour and a half uh, every day. I'm like, what is going on here, man? Like, you know, like, you know we, we did some napkin math. I'm like, man, if that's consistent, that guy is losing a month of productivity time every single year that oh, wow yeah yeah so just it looked really intriguing so we started we chatted with him and he was really excited by the idea of you know getting all supply sliver because um you know the supply houses typically like um it, it can be slower just because they don't have the what we call like an elastic supply that that curry has and provides and so yeah, just it looked it looked really interesting. I mean, also another thing in our favor was there was a big fire, the Thomas fire, uh, was here in Ventura. So wow. uh, early on, um, just going to a bunch of construction sites, you know, shooting the shit with them and having donuts and just uh, or bringing coffee, just whatever, just just anything to like start a conversation and to to learn 
what they're looking for. I think that was like one thing that we were, that is like still in our culture is just like discussing things with the customer, listening to the customer, not building anything until it's, it's validated and you see a pattern, you know? So, so that was, that was super important. Well, before this, had you been, had, had you founded a business before or was this your first go and kind of the entrepreneurial world? I honestly, it was, I mean, I had started a small, like I was selling like sunglasses. I mean, I was, I was, I was living overseas in Laos for like seven years before that I was, um, you know, a musician. Um, so I guess running a band is, is sort of like, sort of like a business, you know, you, yeah. you have to wear out branding a website. So I had some experience with that. Um, moving overseas though, you know, I ran a budget and things of that nature, but nothing like a starting your own business. Why I, were like you a I was, I was actually um, working for uh, an organization called English language Institute of China huh. uh, in the country of Laos. So I taught at the national university of Laos for two years um, and then just became the country director over there um, for the next five years. So it was really cool. I got to work with like the government um, was very, very open with them. Like, Hey, you know, like we're, we're Christians and we're going to teach you for free. Yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, it just, it was, it was a good time. I mean, I, I loved it. Cause it was so much learning. Like you go over there, like, a, like a preschooler, you don't understand the culture. You don't understand the language. Uh, you don't understand how their, their, their government system works. And I just went in there with a very like, uh, learning mindset rather than trying to like, well, this way is better. You should do it this way. I didn't go in there like that. I just went in there like, um, I just want to learn how, how does your system work? Um, and then try and adapt and learn how to navigate that system. It was fun. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Uh, if you never right. ever need like a contract done in a communist country, I'm, I'm probably your guy. <laughs> Very similar though, skill and approach to how you started this business. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think about that way before, but yeah, they're pretty similar. Yeah. So you start to gather that information, which I love. That's been one of the, probably the biggest lessons I've learned both from others and painfully along my journey is talking to the customer first before you build it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you did that, you did the due diligence of man, I'm, I'm hanging out and actually on site with some of these people seeing, seeing where the pain is. That problem though, to me does not seem simple to solve. So no. yeah. how the heck did you go about, you know, developing the solution to it? Well, the, the, the first, the first thing we actually did was we, we initially launched for the first few months to contractors, uh, specifically as like our, our, our target customer. And, you know, they were excited about it, but didn't really use it. Cause there's this, we started to notice a pattern that the, they actually wanted, they expected delivery from their supplier, wherever they're purchasing, uh, their materials and supplies. So we started seeing this larger opportunity with, um, the suppliers and wholesalers of construction materials. And so really just started to focus in on them. So like, there's this like uh, very concentrated effort to have all our business focus on, on them. But the, the blessing of that was that, okay, we're, we're starting with a, uh, the contractors first. It was, it was a bit simpler and we could, they're more forgiving and we could learn and build up our product uh, and service level and, I remember the, there's also, we've also followed like YC's like startup school online uh, just, and we went through it. Like we followed that to a T, you know, like if you, if you're not embarrassed by, uh, by your product, when you launch, then you waited too long, you know, it's so yeah. like, 
Yeah. I remember, I remember like literally having to drive to construction sites to onboard and show them how to do it uh, online. And so we, there'd be certain bugs with, depending on what kind of phone they're using. And like, I'd be on Slack, like, or, or phone, whatever, whatever I could use, like talking to my co-founder, Brian, who would just be literally sitting in his, uh, in his living room, waiting for me to like sign him on and like discuss the, the problems. And um, we had, we had some really crazy hairy moments when we were launching, um, right? What, get a, what get was a, the service? Like in my head. So this is what I'm picturing. Tell me how far off I am. Yeah. yeah. In my head, you and maybe a few people you recruited were just hanging out, waiting for a delivery and you'd have yeah. to run to like a hardware store and, and then grab it, it and bring it to the construction site. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'd be driving stuff in my Ford Focus, which I still drive. Uh, it's not even mine. It's actually my, my, uh, it's my wife's college car that I <laughs> uh, not. Yeah. Anyway, another story, story for another time. But, um, and then my co-founder, Brian, he has a, Brian Gonzalez, he has a, a Sprinter van. So we were, we were driving materials and supplies learning, and we were using Slack uh, to give the, the customer like this experience of, of automation. When it was really, uh, we, were, we were typing in commands into a Slack channel, and, and it was called like at curry bot. And then we had to type in like the delivery URL, like Brian, I mean, Brian was a genius, like just getting <laughs> stuff like all collaborated. And, and it would show up as an SMS message. Like you're like, I'd literally be in the parking lot of the supply store. Like uh, your delivery has been picked up and we have these little codes we copy and paste. And then <laughs> it would take a few minutes. And then, and then I'd walk into the store, pick up the supplies and then, sh- and then get, get to the job site or like en route. En like route yeah. 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 And, and then arrival, I would literally send text and put my phone back in there and be like, all right, here you go. Um, you know, and they're like, oh man, this is awesome. And then when we started like, we're doing some really hacky stuff like um yeah anyway it, and it just kept growing at one point we had like our family uh you know family members driving friends that would agree uh we were poaching drivers from doordash and sure. Lyft and uber like left and right and we we're just paying them more and they'd call us up hey any deliveries i'm like oh, yeah we got something um and we started doing truck deliveries and that was really hairy um yeah maybe i shouldn't share all those stories here but um I'm down it really here. got interesting. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, these are my favorite stories. Like the ingenuity, the, the fine line, you know, the fine line between deception and, yeah. and, Dude, and quality. You wanna, like <laughs> you want to, I'll, I'll give, I'll give you one. Uh, we, we had a, we had a, a request for a truck delivery and, uh, from some, some very like industrial state, we, we didn't have any drivers. It was literally a Google spreadsheet we're working from just like, you know, recruiting drivers uh and we didn't have anybody with a large enough uh pickup truck to make this delivery so we started calling brian brian had this idea not me trust me we're we're just like you know drinking wine and beer just like what are we gonna do we said yes this delivery and he had this brilliant idea like okay we're gonna like who has trucks i don't know i don't know who has trucks right now in that area he's he's all he went to Craigslist and like, look at all these people selling trucks. So we started, so we started calling people selling trucks and like, Hey, you still got that uh, Ford F-250 for sale? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And they start telling us, I'm like, uh, I know this sounds weird, but since you still have it, would you be willing to make, you know, like $150 to make this delivery uh, tomorrow morning at 7am? Brilliant. And, uh, yeah. It was, it was really, it was really hacky and funny. And dude, was, that's brilliant though. We still talk, dude, that's what some people said to us. Like, 
like we had someone say, man, that is baller. Just like yelling on the phone. Cause we have a speakerphone just trying, yes. trying, trying to learn it. That's um, what I'm saying. Like, I, I honestly think there's so many moments in the ones that work and the ones that don't came down to those ingenuity moments. Yeah. It was Instead of being like, dude, I don't know what to do. Someone made an order and we don't have the infrastructure for it. They either cancel the order, say, sorry, mm-hmm. whatever. Or they go on Craigslist, which was probably like the third or fourth idea. Like, <laughs> that nope none of my friends have one nope that didn't work and then you get to craigslist and you're calling people saying well if you got it would you like to make a few dollars yep. while you still have it yeah oh, i just love it it was it was it was really good time and it's crazy because it was only that was only um that was three years ago i mean when when we were doing that um and just like where we where we brought it now and we're, we're fulfilling a delivery every i think roughly every 12 seconds 12 to 15 seconds uh, of the cow. day yeah we're doing a lot uh, at this point we've scaled far, it exponentially how, how far has the model changed from where it started to where it is today like obviously systems and processes and stuff have, mm-hmm. have been implemented but like is it still mainly the same model of like an uber type arsenal of people that you have that are picking things up or have things changed from that kind of model to something else it's 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 much more like we're we're, we're the only like one-stop shop for moving uh basically anything with any vehicle at the touch of a button um we're handling things from like a, you know a sedan car size that fits in a car um all the way to a flatbed truck um wow. we've also rolled out like recurring deliveries and routes and things of that nature where it's just you know five days a week same time um and yeah multi-stop deliveries, all, all kinds of different offerings like that like anything Anything the customer needs to move um, supplies, construction supplies or materials, um, that's that's within our scope. So those are the things we work on. How do you do that? What do you mean specifically? I don't know. I I mean, how do you fulfill those orders? Like, well, I guess I could start. We 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 began in obviously Ventura, um, but you know Craigslist just starting like starting stories like it's very um i'll just i'll start with this our investors in the beginning like hey be really careful like uh we you know you've just raised uh this round this is a while ago um you you've raised this round um probably just launched two or three geos and that would be a great success story and my co-founder and i are like man screw that let's just do let's do everything um and so we started doing that and you know not not in like a rebellious manner just like prove investors wrong or to, to be spiteful. We just thought it was the better approach because um, this wasn't like a B to C play um, with, with customers. Cause when, if you think about launching like Uber, when they launched or Lyft, like there's a lot of stories and case studies out there. They put a street team out, they built up the demand, they built up the supply. You don't know where all those deliveries are going, right? Like you, you just don't know, like they, they could be going hours away. They could be going, we, we have that factor too, but as far as like pickup goes, like most of the supply stores and for construction supplies, they're concentrated in a single area. And so we really started focusing on like NFL cities and those, those areas. Um, and we never say no to what growth we would, um, we'd go through like our standard playbook, uh, acquire fleet. And it got, we got, we've, we've gotten much more sophisticated where we have like, you know, um, you know, like report cards for different areas, but, um, I mean, we had, we had, we had like one of our first customers was a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, they're still with us. They, they came wow. off this at 2019 and they, um, we didn't ask permission first. 
we would just go and do because we realized all these different branches and brick and mortar shops, like they have purchasing power and autonomy um, and they just need to make more sales. So we started realizing that Curry was a sales enablement tool. Um, they don't have to go through the mental bandwidth, like, oh, do I have my truck? Do I have my car? Like, well, how am I going to get this? Like, when do I have to wait for the company, the company route truck to take the delivery? Like, they can just say yes. The sales team uses us. And we start realizing like there's multiple users within each company. Wow. And so a big part of that is, you know, we would are we're able to follow the demand very well, like perfectly match like the demand that we're having um, with with fleet and yeah, that's, I mean, it's, there's a lot to it, but of course that's yeah, like, that's, that's like forest view. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, what are there any particular kind of business philosophies or ways of thinking that most guide how you're building this company? I mean, I think having like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like we, we, we just had like this discussion actually with like the company, like, Hey, why don't we just like solidify like our core company values and, and things um, that we've, that are not just, um, not just hopefully seen, but like, uh, or, or articulated, but they're actually seen in practice, you know, like rather than being embodied. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Embodied. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Rick, rather than just like, otherwise just hypocritical and they're only there to say you have company core values. So um, yeah, I, I, part of that is just like, you know, team, teamwork's in there. Um, like I always, I always say to the team, like, Hey, why don't, how do we double that? And mm. that was also, that, that was misconstrued actually in some ways, because they're like, Oh, you want me to work twice as long work hundred hour work weeks? I'm like, no, no, no. Um, if you double your efficiency, like you, you could actually be working a few hours in a day so you can spend more time with your family. Um, and that that's really embodied across the, across the company, like being more efficient. Yeah. Um, and you obtain that efficiency by, by just learning and then becoming a master of those things and, you know, extreme ownership. That's, that's part of what we really like try to embody over here. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah I want to go back to that. Double it. Yeah. I think that is a fantastic question. I love questions, right? Obviously I'm a pod, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. you're good as at a, it. As an executive coach and a podcast person, I just realized questions can prompt so many things. Right. And so asking someone, how would you double that is such an interesting question because they're usually not thinking at that scale. Mm-hmm. And so is that an intentional that, that you found that helpful or you just found yourself asking that one day or like, Oh, this is kind of fun to think about. How would we double that? Because that, again, to me, that's like a high growth question that, that yeah. creates innovation. It does. And, and I, I think uh, I, I, I was so starting the business. There's a lot of like, how are you, you know, I heard from so many people like, Oh, well you, you know, cause we were, we were growing for like the first, we, we've been growing since inception, which is not common. Like we, you know, we, we grew over like, you know, well, well over tanks the first year, but that's really, you can sort of throw that one out. But second year was like uh, over 10 X. And then we grew like 13.6 X this year, just in, in net. Um, and then uh, yeah, we're, we're looking to do something similar this year, but either way, like early on, I, I was super irritated that people was like, well, you can't maintain that growth forever. I'm like, hello, well, what are you talking about? Like, hell yeah, you can. Like, especially if it's a large market. Right. And, and so I, I, that initially started with like, why the heck do people keep telling you you can't maintain growth when it's a massive uh, market? Like, 
why, why would you say that? Or why would you set boundaries up for yourself? Um, and then, and there, therefore accept that status quo that is not based upon experience or relevant to your circumstances and your goals. And so that's our, that's our long-winded answer, but um, that, that's how it initially got started. And then it also helps recalibrate people to not accept the status quo. I think this because of um, working at my previous job or whatever, or working in this previous market, and it's, it, it really helps remove those, those past boundaries or parameters that you've artificially set for yourself. Yeah. Um, and maybe they were true in your previous circumstances, but not, not in us. I mean, our, our market's huge. Like the logistics space and the movement of construction materials is about 115 bill just in the U.S. alone. Yeah. And so we've, we've got a long, a long way to go and a huge opportunity. So doubling it is, is great. Like double your efficiency. Like uh, how would you double the revenue? Like if you had a gun to your head, like how the heck would you double this? Like, okay, you're going to get yeah. creative. That that's what I love is like, if you're listening to this and you're starting a business or you're working for yourself, you're, you know, you're a freelance or something, would it not be worth an hour of your time to say, how could I double, how could I double my revenue this year if I had to? Mm-hmm. Just as a thought exercise, yep. we immediately go, I can't. Okay, but let's say you could. Or let's say you had to, you know, the gun to your head exercise. Yep. What would you do? You'll be surprised at the amount of things that come to mind, very much like the Craigslist, you know, a, approach to that, where you're like, well, actually, I, you know, I could do this, or I could, uh, for, for so many companies, especially early on, they haven't even thought about raising the rates. And if mm-hmm. and they do some research and realize they're already underpriced, and they're like, well, the easiest thing I could do is take myself a little more seriously and <laughs> I could up my rate and that would get us pretty close to doubling. It's like, well, that took five seconds of thinking, but it mm-hmm. started with your question. If you had to, how would you double that? Yeah. And if, and if we wind up that we can't, that's okay, but let's not start there. Let's not start at that assumption. If we end up there, that's fine. I mean, that's what Elon Musk with, with uh, the engineers at SpaceX, he talks about that all the time. Like if you can't give me, he said, if you can't give me a physics or a mechanical reason why this can't work, I'm not gonna accept your answer. So like, you need to tell me how it's breaking the laws of physics yeah. or it's not within our mechanical know-how currently that anybody knows how to do, even there he'd press you to go, well, I bet we could create that part, you know? Yeah. And I, oh, I, that's why they're so freaking innovative. Yeah, well, there's mental boundaries that people set like, and they're like, those those are walls to break. Those are things, and I, that's, that's one thing I love about like the culture career. I think people get excited, like, you know, cause we're, we're over hundred employees now. Wow. Um, and it's, I keep hearing from people like, it's great. I feel like, you know, I'm empowered autonomy. People, people want to learn and execute real quick, you know, dissect, figure it out and, and make it happen. Just basically like smashing like previous expectations that or boundaries that you've set for yourself and the fact that we're like a team sport just making it happen is that's fun it's like it's like being in this you know this you know fun fast battleship and yeah we're all all just having fun what do you what do you attribute to this rapid growth um like honestly if we're just looking at it as scientists not like humbly it's 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 the team (laughs) like i guess we're just thinking about this like scientists like why do you think this company has grown year over year like it has? Um, just, I mean, well, part of it's product market fit. And, and honestly, you, you only get product market fit 
if you're not so stuck. I, I've noticed a lot of people, they just get stuck on this, you know, brilliant idea um, that they've had that they don't flex and they ascribe what their idea onto their potential customer and then assess the market size. Whereas like, we didn't do that at all. Like we, mm. we just, it's just when you, when you build what people actually want, I mean, that's a YC mantra too. When we went through YC, um, when you build what people want um, and you listen to them and they're the expert, uh, there's really, there's really no limit. And it's not like there aren't other opportunities out there that are massive. It's just a matter of listening to customers and being uh, open and willing to be wrong. Cause when you're, when you're willing to be wrong, um, that's how you become right. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, man, it's just like, no, that, that's, that's, that's one thing. That's one thing. You know, it makes me think of um, Seth Godin, the kind of marketing guru, I remember hearing him talk, maybe it was in his book Tribes, or hearing him talk about marketing at some point, and he was saying the same thing. Like, if you're going to have successful marketing, you have to have a successful product. And the product needs to be the result of having heard your target audience, right? Mm -hmm. And so he said, then when you market, all marketing should be is, hey, we listened to you, we heard what you needed, so we went and built this, come check this out. Yeah. It's yeah. that. Like, Mm -hmm. We saw you, we listened to you. So we went and created this, come check it out. Let us know if that's what you meant, <laughs> you know? Yep. And he's like, when you do that, people are like, it's a marketing is not sleazy. It's not, it's like natural, you know? Yep. Um, I just think that's what you guys, it sounds like what you guys have done really well. Yeah. And we, we would look for patterns too. Like it was, it was, you know, like, Oh, we'll build this, we'll build this. But now like you have, you have a lot more people. And like, when you start to see patterns, like, okay, this is shared across everybody in the construction space. And, this is a feature that is needed and going to be helpful and mm. lead to better product market fit as opposed to like these outlier cases um, where it's like, okay, that's a different inefficiency that you have. Like you, you just have like an accounting thing you need to fix, but you're asking us to fix it. You know, you know what I'm saying like that. Yeah. So um, how many people do you feel like you needed to talk to before you felt confident that you were onto the problem? A dozen contractors, a hundred people. Like when did you have a sample size that you felt confident was reflective of a bigger hole? Um, pretty early on, I, you know, we, we started with like a, we actually started, we had a small beta, beta test group that we did in, uh, December of 2018 before we launched in January of 2019. Um, and, and, and that, that was nice. Uh, I think we did and the following month, like January, we, I remember we did $360 in revenue, 360 bucks. And, um, but that was enough to know that we were onto something. Um, yeah, real because, money. Yeah, real money. Like, like, oh, we made three hundred sixty dollars. Not like we're like, you know, I mean, that doesn't yeah. doesn't get you too far. But it is a good signal, and it's it's nice to to see it go up each month. Um, I remember the first forty five dollars I earned. Yeah. See, there you go. You know. I remember it was forty forty five dollars exactly. I cried that night at dinner because yeah. I'd worked so hard and was so scared that would anybody ever pay for this or whatever. And the, again, 45 bucks didn't change my life, but it was proof of concept. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, you, you didn't wait too long to launch. You're embarrassed by it. Uh, also when, when it's, when it's like that, it's also a good indicator that you didn't put a ton of this ton of work in it, like pause and make it look all nice. Just like, like get, did they use it? Did, did they use it when it looked like shit yeah, and yeah. was, was just not where you want to imagine it, but it still worked. 
when, when, when a customer is willing to use something that like they want to use it so bad um, that it doesn't matter what it looks like, or it doesn't like, they just need like, that's such a good indicator too. Yes. And we, we, we had a lot of that. Um, but also we, we, like our product looks great. Our service looks great. But I'm just saying if you compare, it's all relative. You can compare it to what it, what it was and where it was at. Um, it was, it, it was, it was um, a great indicator for um, people who want and need this thing. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back on the, on the raising fundraising, uh, sorry, on, on seeking investment. Yeah. Was that like a, yeah, we always knew we would do that. Or was it a decision point of whether we were going to, you know, try to do this kind of, you know, bootstrap it or uh, like, how did, how did you guys arrive at that decision? Yeah, we, good question. Um, it was, it was, it was a decision. I remember, I remember talking about that frequently with Brian, um, you know, like, Hey, what, what path are we on? Um, part of the things that went into that discussion were, you know, discussing market size. Um, we're both like, you know, huge followers of like Y Combinator, Brian, much longer than me. Like he's the technical co-founder and, um, he's, he's the one doing all the coding. Um, and before that, you know, I was just, I was a dude in Laos for seven years and before that I'm a musician. So it wasn't even Y Combinator, it wasn't even on my, my radar in, you know, 2000 until like 2018, honestly. And it's yeah. like, you don't want to tell people that. Um, but the thing is like my, like my goal was not to start a tech company. It was to start a company. Um, tech just happened to be that path. And then when we started to realize how large the market was and, um, and startup school online, which was, you know, free, uh, was effective, um, you know, and we realized like actually how big the market is. And we just started to see that and research more like, okay, this is, this is the path, um, and a way to scale, scale a very, very large marketplace. You need capital to do it yeah. uh, efficiently. And that also embodies like a lot of our cultures, like the double it, like we are um, the most efficient way to grow this marketplace and to meet our customers' needs is to take on um, venture capital. And, but dude, I'll tell you what, man, that, that getting into Y Combinator was, uh, um, I remember when we just got accepted in the interview, like my co-founder, like he had, he had to read it. I remember pulling up and we were late. Like it, it was starting in like two weeks. And we just, we just submitted, uh, submitted it. Um, and there was no place for like a hockey stick. And I remember the hockey stick was like, it showed like, you know, a couple thousand dollars, but it still like went up. <laughs> and, um, and I just, I just inserted the image in there. Um, didn't, didn't read a script on the video. I just, I just talked and acted excited because I was, you know, it was yeah. genuine, it was real. And I remember showing like, like he had to read the email like, Oh, we got in there. So we, you know, flew up, got the interview. And then, um, um, that was, that was nerve wracking. Cause it was, a, uh, you know, I think it's a 10 minute lightning round. And when we got in, man, like I found out when we were at the airport lounge and, uh, you know, I was living, I was living for a year and a half with, uh, with my in-laws with two kids at the time, um, on, you know, food stamps and, you know, medical assistance, like, because I had, I had people that they, like my wife believed in the concept and us. And just the fact, like we were working so hard. I mean, I was literally like, just driving to LA, like going to all these different, you know, supply, supply stores, sitting on their little like spindly seats. It's crazy. You got to go into like one of these construction supply stores. You just, you got to go, I'll give you a list after this and you sure. can just go check, scope it out. But, um, and I just remember going in there and, and then it was just a huge moment. I'm like, man, like, 
yeah, you just, I just broke down. I lost it in the, sure. in the waiting lounge at the airport. Like it's just, pa- it was packed. I mean, this, this is pre-COVID. This is packed. There's people everywhere. Dude, like, just like, you know, huge high fives. Look, they look, it was just cheesy. It was like out of a movie, you know, but, and you know, it just, it was a big moment because we got, we got cash and we're in where we want to be. It's those moments, man, that are often to me, the, one of the bigger rewards of the whole entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Like, obviously you you want to, you want to make the product and you want it to work and you want to see your company grow. But like, at least for me, when I look back, what I look back most fondly on are these small moments like that Mm. where, man, is it going to work? And then something indicates that it is, or can we get into this? And then we did, you're like that, that is part of the adventure of of why you went, you know, the less traveled road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you you recognize the anomaly of it. Like it's not common. And then, it, it, it does make you really, um, it's for myself, like feel super, super grateful for it. Like don't want, I, I do not want to take that for granted. Um, so I, I realize it's not as common. So just, just holding onto that a bit and being grateful for it. Yeah. What, 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 um, what role do you feel like Y Combinator has played in the story of success, your company's experience? it short circuited uh, a lot of uh, relationships and, and learning. Like I remember, I remember I dropped out of my MBA um, that I was like, maybe like, gosh, how far along was I? I was, I wasn't even, maybe I was near a quarter, quarter through, you know, I was, I came back from Washington, oh, I'll get my MBA. Um, just, I, I, I don't regret, regret at all. Like, uh, dropping out of that program. I, I learned so, we learned so much more in Y Combinator than I ever could have learned in an MBA program. It actually uh, probably helped not um, confine me to certain ways of thinking, um, standardized ways of thinking, like yeah. still having that outside perspective on what is business, what could business be, um, you know, focused a lot on like relational aspect of business and um, what, what do, what do we want to accomplish and how do we want to, there's no, there's no, like nothing's written in stone and YC is great about that. Uh, but they have, they have these great, like, you know, the online community is great with, with them. Like you can short circuit, you can meet anybody, you know, got, got some obviously like online deals for like portfolio, like YC alumni, they, they get a lot of those, those deals that help you continue to start up and, um, you know, and also, I mean, obviously it doesn't hurt to the fact that you get like, um, you know, the demo day where you just, you pitch in front of thousands of investors for two days. It used to be two days in a row. You, you pitch to alumni first. And then after that, you pitch to all the investors. And it was like, you know, I forget what peer it was, but it was right off the peer. It was really cool. Um, was that nerve wracking? Yeah, no, it was crazy. But the thing that the, 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 the cool thing was, is we were fully funded like an hour before, uh, the first demo day pitch, like we got a call, like some, like, uh, it was really cool. Um, wow. Yeah. So, um, that relieved some, uh, pressure because at that point, anybody else who invested in us, we would have been more, uh, more over like oversubscribed. Yeah. So, um, God, but yeah, it was unique too. I'd imagine. Yeah. It was super nerve wracking. Uh, don't get me wrong. It was crazy. Uh, that was, but it was so much fun. Oh man. It was just, yeah. I, you know, I get all, I get all giddy from it. Cause it was, it was a great memory. It was yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. 
But before we go into the lightning round questions, I wanted yeah. to know um, back on the the investment side. So having knowing what you know now, getting into the game of seeking investment and those kinds of things, what if any advice or perspective would you pass along to to someone li listening right now that might be wondering if that's a path they should pursue? I think a great way to look at that is look at some other founders who have gone that path and um, see what motive, like motivates them. Like, are you going to see like, what type of return do you want? Actually, it's, it's very, I mean, what are you aiming to get? Like, are, are you trying to scale a massive marketplace and do you need to do it quickly? Cause you think there's going to be like uh, competition or it's just like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like assess your needs first. Like, what do you want? Like if, if having hundred percent ownership of, uh, you know, like whatever, like a million dollar company or whatever it might be, whatever that amount is, right. if that's important to you to like control everything and find like, that's, that's not me and Brian. Like uh, we like to delegate. we like to grow. we like to bring in more people who are, have a vested interest in the success, like, you know, like the whole team sport thing where we're just all in this together, like tackling the, I mean, literally like the, the largest market in the world is, is construction, like the built world. Um, and to do that, um, we made that decision early on to take, take that approach because, um, no matter, like, yeah, you, like you take on dilution, but, um, you're surrounded by people and you're like constantly, constantly leveling up and learning. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really, a, it's going to vary per person and whatever. It also varies on what type of business they're, they're starting. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's not a very succinct answer for you, but no, um, that's, that's perfect. I mean, it's, it's right along how I've come to think about it is you got to first know what your end goal is. Yeah. Do you, do you prefer this more? Or do you prefer this more? Do you prefer control? Like my dad, my dad ran a business, a construction business, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, it was commercial roofing in Atlanta and he intentionally never grew beyond, I think it was like four or five crews. Yep because he just didn't want it to get out of control. Like he mm -hmm. wanted to keep it where he knew it was gonna be quality every time and he knew how to manage these people. And for him, that was all he wanted. He didn't care about scale. He didn't care about, you know, 10Xing what he was doing. Um, but other people would look at that and just would naturally go, why? No, 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 why? I'm okay with problems. Like I want bigger. I wanna yeah. see how far we can go. I wanna see, you know, what all we can tackle. It's like, okay, well, those are different end end games and so you're going to approach whether you seek investment or not differently right yeah i mean dude, i remember like one of my favorite things is like hey you know I'm, we got in a room with uh cyborg from my company he's like okay all of you want that hockey stick uh you know you know growth pattern um and and then but basically what he was saying like if you want that it, it's going to be like you know have you seen that that gif like everything's fine and just everything's on fire yeah. um it, that's how basically how he described it he's like lack of sleep everything's breaking uh you know world's on fire you've got to solve it uh you, you're just sleep deprived sleep deprived stress like and then you just start clapping like that's what success feels like and i was like right on okay like let's 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 do that wow. <laughs> so that that sounded exciting to you yeah 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 because i it's almost like uh it, it is exciting for me because when you're like you like even if you're working out and like you, you work out to like muscle failure like i start cracking up like if i'm doing push-ups i just fall on the ground i laugh it's just it's hilarious to me like you're all shaking you look ridiculous like or like a big hike and you're exhausted and i don't know there's 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 
it's not like you like to see people in pain, but you like to see people overcome or like hit their limits. And like, that's, that's, what's fun. That's, that's super fun. And it's nice. good storytelling. You can sit around the campfire and talk about that shit all day. That's right. That's right. It's funny. I looked, I'm actually learning to re-embrace that part of myself. Mm. Like that used to be how I lived my life. I mean, I have all my best stories came from moments like that. Just like you're talking about the, yeah. the best moments are going for something a little crazy and Here's the chaos that ensued, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, but that's what great. I'm realizing recently is the weight of three kids, the weight of the business, the weight of blah, 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 started to infringe on my risk tolerance, you know? Mm -hmm. and or, or, or at least just not seeing it as fun. Like losing that, like, hey, man, failure is just an opportunity to learn. And we could laugh at that mistake. Yeah, it's serious. But at the same time, it's pretty crazy that that happened. Yeah. And it's like, I'm actually, I'm having to like, almost like breathe life back into that perspective again. Mm -hmm. So it's really refreshing to, to hear you say that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a practice. Also, it doesn't, doesn't feel good at the time either. So, but I don't know. Not at all. Yeah. All right, my friend, let's get to the lightning round questions. I can hear one of my kids trying to break in. So hopefully we'll, <laughs> be, able to, we'll be able to get this done. Yeah, right up. I've got five questions for you, starting with oh. question number one. If you can ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? Uh, never stop listening to the customer and look for patterns. Why, uh, why does that message stick out? I you were <laughs> uh, why does that message stick out? Um, because I, 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 think, I think without it, you'd have, you'd have failure and not improve. Um, that's why that one's important. Awesome. If you're listening to this, we're in real life right now. I'm giving my son a marker to color on the board. With this, this is actually more entertaining than, than this is probably the most entertaining portion of the segment for me, seeing how you're balancing this. That's right. Uh, I'm pretty sure my wife must have just left to take my oldest to gymnastics. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's me and the kids now. Okay. Question number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also what was the worst? Um, yeah. I, I, I will cheat and, and add two, but it's, it's literally like, uh, get a co-founder and do things that, that don't scale. Um, it's the best advice. Like there's a great article from that Paul Graham wrote that I would recommend everybody read thoroughly, then read it again and then reference it all the time. So it's, yes. that's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Um, Talk about that for a second. Cause I just heard about that recently and I really like it as well. Yeah. Tell me what you mean when you say do the things that don't scale this is this is this is actually fun for me because i remember previous works uh previous jobs that i've had um people would just be like oh that's not very streamlined and what they meant was i have to work and do something in order to make that happen because it's a manual process and i was like man that's just lazy thinking i hate that so when i read paul graham like it was very it resonated a lot i'm like all right and he paints all these examples with airbnb um them literally going to, uh, you know, they talk about like, they talk about them selling cereal and being very like bootstrappy. Um, when and they went over and took their own photos. Of and the it, yeah, it took, took their own photos and just made it happen and uploaded yeah. it for the customer and um, in order to make their place uh, look more appealing in order to, to get sales. Like that's awesome. And we followed that to a T and Y Pounder. I was, I was flying out from Mountain View to like Los Angeles to onboard customers all the time. And then, you know, Brian and crew would be at 
the you know our the house that we're renting in Mountain View, taking care of the customer, and um, we just followed that to a T and just kept doing that. It it worked for them. Why won't it work for us? Um, you know, we're working like hundred hour week, go work out at night every day, and then start all over like at five a.m. So just over. Oh, I love like, that. Yeah, repeat, repeat, repeat. Did anything come to mind as far as worse advice? It could be something someone yeah. told you you chose to reject or just stuff you hear passed around. Like the So the worst thing I actually heard that maybe it's just like was never start a business with uh, with a friend. And so I've been friends with Brian for like 15 years. And so had I listened to that advice, it just that out, out of fear, like because, you know, you respect whoever tells you advice and if it sticks sticks with you. I think it's actually a common bit of advice. Like don't go into business with, with friends. Um, but I in, love that. In, in our case, it was actually, uh, I think a, a good dynamic. We knew what we brought to the, the table, like, like very, like we're on extremes on, on each side. Um, but we knew like, okay, the business is probably gonna thrive. I remember telling someone like, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to business with, with Brian. And, and you know, this, this friend knew both of us. And the only thing she said was like, oh, that's going to be intense. And so uh, that, that was like, okay, this is, this is going to be a cool thing. So, Man, I think you're right because it's too general of advice. It's not that it's never true. Right? Exactly. Like, it's not that it's never true that going into business with your friends could be a problem. To me, it's did you go into business with the right friends and was this the right yes. time and the right business? You know? Exactly. Like, don't... Uh, my co-founder is one of my best friends. Yeah, there you go. And yeah. I, it's the reason why we're successful. Like mm-hmm. the way we know each other, the way that we work with each other, trust each other, use have different skills. But I have other friends. I just know this would not be good to go into business together. We just need to stay friends and play golf together. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's some you just know like okay, we're gonna we're gonna surf and that's it. Um, but yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, I love it. Okay, let's go to question number three. What currently causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization? Um, honestly, like, because we're hiring so fast, it's just maintaining the company culture, uh, and disseminating those values. Um, so we're doing our best to make sure that like those things are reiterated frequently through the company and through company communication, um, and part of like our onboarding process as well. So it's been really heavily on, you know, my co-founder and I's mind for, for quite some time. So totally culture at scale. It's yeah, a, exactly. Exactly. It's a common, common obstacle, or I guess, uh, issue at a certain place of growth, right? Yeah, exactly. It's easy when we all know each other, but now yep. how do we, how do we do this with new people that have not been here since day one and all that kind of stuff? Exactly. Like, like sub sub 50, like it's a bit of a stretch, but like, you know, when you're, you're all working in the same room together and like, yeah, like eating all your meals together and working out, like there's, there's no way you can't transfer culture and have that that group dynamic. So it's then it's like making sure that that replicates, but also like coupled with that, I think we really want people to be like, everyone has different gifts and like bringing out those gifts of people rather than like making carbon copies of ourselves. I think there can be both. Like um, everyone has gifts that they bring to the table. Like how do we enhance those in order to augment like the skill set and team dynamic at our company while at the same time imbuing like the cultures that we want to represent, like the values and culture that we want to represent at the company and for our customer. Yes, sir. I see your picture, buddy. Is he drawing on the walls? 
Uh, well, he's drawing on my whiteboard, but just a second ago when you saw me look off camera, it's because he was drawing on the side of my desk. So See, I knew it. You gave him a mark. I'm like, oh boy, that's that's uh, um, that's going to be interesting. I know, man. I'm trying. All right, question number four. <laughs> what is your current BHAG? Like how you're thinking about the audacious goal and the vision for the future for this company? Uh, this one, this one's complicated because I, I I'm frequently looking at at growth and um, but I I would I would love to at least be in a position to go public, not to go public as the goal, but like uh, you know, there's many companies who decide to you know go public way later than where that benchmark is. Um, but I, I would love for the company to hit that benchmark in the next like year and a half, um, two years. So, um. That that that's a BHAG, um, but also not. It's not impossible. Yeah, it's not unthinkable. What's yeah, the, the growth you you guys have had, I like that. That's exciting. All right, now we get to ask you a fun, creative question. Uh oh. This is our Back to the Future question. Sweet. Imagine you get to hop into a DeLorean. You get to go back to your past, but the rule is we're not there to change the events or anything like that. But you do get to pass along a message, and so the question is. When would you go back in your life and what message would you pass along to that younger version of yourself? But, but, not, but nothing can change in the future. Like I'll still have to go through. Um, oh gosh, man. See, I was going to say, just don't start your MBA, you know, for, for that whole thing. But if I can't change that, there's no point in articulating that information. I mean, right? you can. I mean, we've had founders say like, I wish I had started sooner or trust your gut and go for it. Like, I'm just saying, most a lot of people get tripped up because they always give me the answer i wouldn't change anything man like it led me to where i am got it yeah. this is a creative exercise what would you what would you pass along to the to okay the, I, I i i think i would just say like it's worth it um like the struggle like living with your in-laws with your kids all the comments uh from other friends who are talking about how much equity they're getting in their their house and all that bull um I would just say like, it's worth it. Just keep going. And that's what we did obviously. Cause we kept going, but I think just hearing like, Hey, it's worth it. Uh, would have been like a cool message to give myself. Absolutely. Cause that is the question you're asking yourself. Like when you see them, you know, already making this much money or yeah. living this comfortably, you're like, am I, is this worth what I'm doing? Like the, the, yeah. the gray hairs coming in. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what am I doing? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that, you're here that, to say it is. Yeah, exactly. Insults, that's part of the fun. The uncertainty is part of the fun. So now that I'm, now that I'm working backwards, maybe I wouldn't even tell myself that and just be like, how's it going? I might just say hi, give, me, give myself a high five just for the sheer experience of that. I love it. Well, Matt, man, before I lose any more uh, traction <laughs> here in this conversation, this is a great place to wrap it up. Thank you for making time. Thank you for, uh, coming here today and sharing your story and wisdom with us. I've learned a ton uh, from you, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. I, I can tell this is going to uh, only continue to grow at the rapid rate that it's at. So I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate your wisdom. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it, man. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.